You'll hear Kim and I talk about topics including the following. Why you need to be consistent and respond the same way every time to avoid confusing your little one. How to avoid overstimulation when it is approaching their bedtime so they know it's their calming time. Why an early bedtime is beneficial and doesn't mean your little one will wake up earlier. I look forward to sharing these tips with you. So without further ado, let me introduce Kim Davis. I'm Helen Thompson and welcome to First Time Mums Chat. I'm a childcare educator and baby massage instructor. I know that being a parent for the first time is challenging and changes your life in every way imaginable. To help ease your transition into parenthood, I aim to offer supportive, holistic approaches and insights for mums of babies aged mainly from four weeks to 10 months old. My goal is to assist you to become the most confident parent you can and smooth out the bumps along the way. This podcast is brought to you by My Baby Massage. To find out how Baby Massage can help you to increase your confidence and feel more connected with your baby, check out My Baby Massage introduction video at mybabymassage.net forward slash intro. Let's do this together. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please contact a medical practitioner if you are concerned or have any medical issues. Hi Kim and welcome to First Time Mums Chat. I'm delighted to have you here. I've spoken to sleeping consultants before, but what I love about what you do is is that you're also specialised in the older children, which I think is nice because when babies are one and a half to two, that's also when they have sleep problems. So I will pass it over to you to tell me about what you do. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much for having me. I, I'm really excited to talk about the older kids this time, because most of the time we do focus on the younger ones and especially those first few months when sleep is a real struggle. So I'm super excited to chat to you a little bit more about what we can do to help the older ones sleep a little bit better. So again, my name is Kim Davis and I am the founder of Babes and Beyond Pediatric Sleep and I'm based in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. So I'm quite far away from you. Uh, my passion is sleep and I I have been a pediatric uh, sleep consultant for over eight years now, and it is the most amazing opportunity I've ever had in my (coughs) life to help so many families uh, sleep better and to get their lives so much better with everyone sleeping in the house. So I personally struggled for over two and a half years, not being able to get my son to sleep more than 20 minutes at a time for naps and he never slept overnight. So it was two and a half years of sleep deprivation in my house. So this led me to my path. Oh yeah. (laughs) This led me to my path to become a certified sleep consultant with the family sleep Institute. And from there, I actually became a wondrous week Academy graduate and the happiest baby on the block instructor, and also a Kappa certified childbirth educator. So I have a lot of things going on <laughs> in the last little while, but for the past five years, I've been the director of mentorship for the Family Sleep Institute, and I'm also one of their assistant instructors. So my plate is full. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. But 
I am so passionate about sleep. I talk about sleep all the time. So like I said, I'm super excited to join you today so we can talk a little bit more about uh, the older kids and, and how we can help them. Well, I'm pleased that you're passionate about sleep. And I hope now that you've learned how to get your um, family settled a bit more, you're, get, you're getting a bit more sleep because it's, all, oh, it's also about the adults as well as the kids. Oh, for sure. For sure. That's right. So what are some tips that you can give to a mum who say got a kid who's what one and a half well, and they're not sleeping and they've been struggling for the last one and a half <clears throat> years? What would you say to a mum who was struggling with that? Right. One year is a long time to be struggling with sleep. So what we really want to focus on, and a lot of the times what happens at this age is parents drop naps too quickly. And so mm. one of the biggest reasons why toddlers are not sleeping is because they're overtired. Actually, in general, when children are not sleeping, the number one reason is because yeah. they're overtired, whether they're not getting restorative naps or their bedtime is too late. Those are the main things that I would look at first to see if naps are happening at the right time, if they're restorative. So three things that that parents can look for to make sure that their child is getting really great restorative naps is if the naps are lasting at least one hour, they're not waking up in between and they wake happy. If all three mm. of those boxes are checked, you can say to yourself, okay, that was a really good nap. Let's move on for the rest of the day. If it's not, that's when it becomes challenging. And a lot of the times what happens when little ones get up to about a year, year and a half, there may still be some sleep associations that are going on. And so that's why they're not able to connect into their next sleep cycle. So for example, one sleep cycle for them during the day would be about 45 minutes around there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if they wake up at that 45 minutes, usually they're going to be crying. And usually it's because that there's a sleep association going on, which could be either rocked to sleep, fed to sleep, bounced to sleep, just falling asleep with somebody else. They don't have the independent sleeping skill to transfer into the next sleep cycle independently. And so that's where a lot of the issues start to come up. And if they haven't learned it up to a year or a year and a half, that's a long time to be dealing yeah, with a yeah. sleep association. They have no idea, right? They're comfy, yeah, they're exactly. loving it, they're being rocked to sleep, whatever. But when they can't connect those simple sleep cycles during the day to get a restorative nap, or especially in the middle of the night, that's when it becomes a challenge for parents. Because mm -hmm. if they're waking up five or six times a night, every time that they wake for a sleep cycle, mom or dad has to go in, do the exact same thing they did to help their child fall asleep. And that becomes exhausting, right? Yeah, and that, I was yeah. I was there. I was doing that for two and a half years. My little guy, he was a chunky monkey. He was huge. And here I am. I'm not very tall. I'm like five three. <laughs> and here I am trying to bounce this over 20 pound little guy to sleep every yeah, single nap yeah. and every single nighttime. And when he woke up during the night, I was so exhausted. I was so exhausted. And I said, no we can't do this anymore. We have to try and get everybody sleeping better. Mm -hmm. And so we really had to find something that worked for our family. And that's what I really want to stress with parents too, is that you really have to find out what works for your family. Yes, you can get all the advice from your friends, yeah, your family, your right. co-workers, everybody, but it's not necessarily going to work for your family. And you really mm, want to be mindful yeah. that you choose an approach 
that you're going to be very comfortable with, right? There's so many different approaches that parents can take when it comes to sleep coaching and, and developing those independent sleeping skills. But you really want to be mindful that it's an approach that you can do during the day and also at 3 a.m. Because our patient level at 3 a.m. is not, yes. (laughs) And and 12 noon is quite different, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking about trying going in and doing a little bit of time checks, like going in every few minutes, reassuring them that everything is okay, you want to be mindful that you're going to be able to do that at 3 a.m. as well. So of course, that's what you really have to be careful of because you want to stay consistent. And every approach will work, right? Whatever approach that you take will work. There's so many of them, but you have to stay consistent because if you're not, you're going to be sharing really confusing messages with your little one. And that's not going to work. We want Mm -hmm. to share a really consistent message that mom and dad are going to respond the same way. And we are going to respond the same way every single time that you wake to help you develop those independent sleeping skills. And there's very, very gentle ways that in gradual ways that you can do that. And a lot of the times parents are like, God, I just want it just over with. I want the quick fix. It's not a quick fix. Mm, If you've been dealing with sleep associations for two years, it is not a quick fix because just like you and I, it takes about what, three weeks, they say 21 days to break a habit. And then to actually learn a new habit, right? Yes. You have to figure that these little guys, they don't know. They don't know any better, right? And so mm-hmm. they're just like, mom, dad, you changed everything. Now what? There's going to be a lot of tears, a lot mm-hmm. of tears. And I find the older that the children are, the more tears that you have, because now you're dealing with a little personality. Yes, <laughs> which know, doesn't help. They can yes. jump, scream, <laughs> do all those wonderful things that toddlers do. But it's a little bit harder to share that message that things are changing. And those tears are the reaction. They don't like that change. And understandably, right? If they've been rocked or fed to sleep, it's a beautiful thing. It truly is. It's comfy. It's great. But we have to also take into account that mom and dad need sleep too, because they need the best of their parents and they can't be their best if they're so sleep deprived. And I was one of those parents where I was not at my best. It was a very, very dark place for me. And I didn't think I was going to come out of it on the good side, to be honest. It was two and a half years of, yes, that's, of that's a long not time. having sleep. It is. Mm. And so my passion comes from that. And I want to be able to help parents not go through what I went through. I don't want any other parent to, to deal with two and a half years of sleep associations and being so sleep deprived. There's so many tools and and things that I can share with parents that not necessarily you have to go through like two weeks of formal sleep consultation. Sometimes it takes a little bit of a tweak of a schedule or Mm -hmm. help them get away from a sleep association an earlier bedtime, even having a room conducive to sleep having dark curtains in there, a sound machine, depending on the age of the child, if there's a lot of background noise that you want to get rid of. Those simple things can make a world of difference sometimes. And I've had many families that my suggestion of even an earlier bedtime has gotten rid of all of the night wakings and early wakings. And it was just moving that bedtime earlier. That's all it was because they were so overtired going to bed. And like I said before, that is the number one reason why we see night wakings and early morning rising with toddlers is because they're just they're overtired going to bed that's what it is 
And what about overstimulation? I know from the baby side that if you overstimulate your child, they won't sleep because they're overexcited. And would it be advisable not to let them watch TV maybe half an hour before bed? Because the visual of the TV can actually overstimulate them. And that probably doesn't help either or give them a routine that's quiet half an hour before bed like reading or from my childcare experience I'd say putting some nice quiet music on or putting on particular music so that they know that that's my calming time I don't know if that's what you'd suggest you said it perfectly having that nice relaxing quiet time that routine lasting no longer than about 30 minutes we suggest 30 minutes because anything after that it just becomes things that you're doing and it's not really cueing their bodies and their minds that it's time mm-hmm. to sleep so mm-hmm. have your routine really nice concise quiet relaxing and you brought up an amazing point in regards to the television so one thing that we strongly recommend is actually turn the screens off whether it be a tablet anything like that for those older kids because they love them right they love oh, looking yeah, at those tablets <laughs> playing games and stuff even at a young age but turning those off at least one hour before oh, wow. your bedtime mm-hmm. routine because research is showing that that blue light that we have from the tablets or the tv it actually inhibits the production of melatonin which is our sleepy hormone yeah, yeah, right yeah. and we want that to be happening we want their minds to be cute that oh wait it's dark now and that's the only way that it starts producing in our bodies is from the darkness so we really want things to be calm we don't want these bright lights the tv going everything flickering because it's going to take them a while and some little ones if they have tv before bed it can get them excited and keep them that way for almost two hours so mm-hmm. even a short amount of screen time can just make bedtime battles like you wouldn't believe and we certainly don't want that right and with toddlers they can be challenging <laughs> those bedtime yes, battles yeah. i remember it well mm-hmm. oh, bedtime. so it's not a good thing so you were absolutely correct in having that really wonderful, relaxing bedtime routine for them. So it just, it just comes everybody down the house, just quiets down. And it's just a really nice, relaxing bedtime routine that can allow them to unwind and to settle into bed. So yeah, you're absolutely right in regards to that, for that routine. And what if kids are screaming and they're struggling and they won't lie on the bed? You're trying to just calm them down and say, look, I just want you to lie down. You don't have to go to sleep yet, but just lie down and I'll give you a little pat. They push your hand away. They're saying, I don't want to be patted because they're so tired. I've tried so many things like putting quiet music on. I've tried walking out of the room and and just leaving the door ajar and watching them. And then they get out of bed and they come and say, I know you're there. I mean, how do you, so what would you say with a kid like that? You don't want to scream at them. You don't want to get them upset. You've got to keep your temper, but sometimes it's not that easy to... No, it's not. It's definitely not that easy to keep the cool, calm, collected nest that you want, right? Because when there's hours, and honestly, some little kids can go for hours for bedtime battles, what you want to look for is the cause. So the cause of that hyperness or whatever it is, is overtired. They're overtired Mm -hmm. and you miss their window for bed. So that's what you want to treat first. So make a mental note like, okay, bedtime was like, 8.30 or something like that. We really want to pull that bedtime back because they got their second wind. And now it really is like skating uphill. If 
you're with a toddler and they got their second win because there's nothing physically that we can do to get rid of that cortisol level that mm. is just shot through their body. It really has to wear off. And so you have to ride it out, which is not pleasant. No. <laughs> it's not pleasant, but that's one thing that you do want to make a mental note of for the next night is let's get bedtime a lot earlier. And one thing that I suggest for parents is if they're really struggling to find that appropriate bedtime is to watch their behavior around dinner time. So if they're getting hyper, they're not listening, they're not eating properly, they're just wired, running around, zoning out all those behaviors. That's an indication that they got their second wind. And so now they're hyper and now we got to wait this out. So again, make that mental note. Okay. Maybe dinner has to come 20 minutes earlier because sometimes even shifting things 20 minutes can make a world of difference as well. So just making that mental note. Okay. We really got to get dinner on the table a little bit earlier. We got to do that wind down routine and, you know, try and figure out that 830 was too late. Let's try, you know, eight o'clock or, you know, 745, depending how old they are. And if they're still napping, because that makes a world of difference too. If they're still napping, sometimes <clears throat> that bedtime can be pushed a little bit later. Most of the time, no. Usually for a toddler, you're going to see around seven, 730 ish. That's usually a, a good time for them. Anything later than that, and you're probably risking that second wind coming along. So depending on your bedtime routine, adjust that accordingly. But those bedtime battles can be exhausting, <laughs> to say I, the least. I remember when I was a kid, I mean, this is, we used to have a bedtime routine where me being in the middle went to, went to bed at, say, 6. My elder sister was 6.30, and then my youngest sister was probably 5.30. So there was half an hour's gap between... When yeah. we all went to sleep. And when we got to a certain age, when we had a birthday, then my parents said, right, well, you can stay up an extra half an hour. So that's right. what we did. But it was always very early. It was around yes. about the 6.30 mark. And I don't know yeah. whether this is modern life or whether it's me. Well, being, yeah. You know, and, the kids and, and, go to bed later these days. They're, they're not exactly. encouraged exactly. to go to bed early. I am really passionate about First Time Mums Chat and providing a weekly resource that helps parents who are new to the whole world of parenting and I want to hear from you. I warmly welcome questions and feedback and comments on my podcast episodes. I am always on the lookout to interview mums who are doing amazing things. Is your little one suffering from colic or constipation? I may have just the thing to help you experience less crying, less stress and have a happier, more contented little one and household. Just go to mybabymassage.net forward slash colic to get your free colic remedies cheat sheet. Start soothing your baby and get some much needed rest and build a deeper bond with your baby that grows stronger every day day. That's mybabymassage.net forward slash colic. So please reach out by sending me an email at support at mybabymassage.net. And, and you make a great point because we have shifted everything later in society now. And 
that's not what children need. <laughs> they mm. need that earlier bedtime. But parents are so afraid. And I will admit, I was really afraid of this as well. But parents are so afraid of having an early bedtime because they think that if I put my child to bed early, they're going to wake up early, which mm. in actual fact, it doesn't happen because we're not taking anything away from that morning sleep. All we're doing with an early bedtime is adding on an extra sleep cycle at the beginning of the night right. before midnight yeah. to allow them more restorative sleep. That's where the most restorative sleep happens is between say 6.30 and midnight. That's where we want to see their most restorative sleep happening. If you're cutting into that restorative sleep, you're going to fall into this vicious cycle of getting overtired and you're going to find mm -hmm. night wings and you're going to find early morning. It's not because they went to bed early. It's because they went to bed too late. <laughs> yeah. So yes, I agree with you. Early bedtime. Absolutely. We want to do that early bedtime for them, particularly if there is a sleep deprivation going on, right? That's the fastest way to get rid of any kind of sleep deprivation is an early bedtime. We don't want you stuck at a very early bedtime but sometimes it needs to be as early as six o'clock, even for a three-year-old because they're overtired and they're mm -hmm. in this vicious cycle of, and they can't get out of it. And it's really hard to get out of it. If you keep doing the same thing, keep having bedtime, the same thing, even if naps are not great, you need to adjust that bedtime earlier temporarily, right? We don't want you always be stuck in like a really early bedtime, but if you want to get out of that cycle, absolutely early bedtime for the win always. And once they are sleeping better, absolutely. You can start pushing that bedtime a little bit later, but we always want to be mindful that bedtime is going to be flexible. We're okay. not robots, right? So we don't sleep the exact same minutes every single day for them. They don't nap the same amount of minutes every day. So bedtime is really based on the quality of naps. If they're still napping and how they are around that dinner time, because we don't yeah. want to push them too long. But going back to what you said, absolutely, we want to have a, a general timing, like in between 6, 6.30, depending on how their mood is, and to, to have a, a constant bedtime for them. But again, just taking into account what naps were like, if they're still napping, yeah, and course. how they are at dinner time to kind of gauge where that great bedtime should be. And if they fall asleep nicely within... 10, 15 minutes, just babbling away, you know that you hit that beautiful little sleep window. If they fall asleep within seconds, minutes of hitting that pillow, they've crashed. And we don't want that <laughs> mm -hmm. because crashing means that they, they were overtired. And now you can count on having some night wakings and having early morning wakes and night wakings with toddlers. And especially if they're not in a crib can be exhausting as well because they keep getting out of their bed if they're in a big boy yes. bed or a big girl bed yes. now. Yeah. That is in itself a whole different ball game. <laughs> it's trying mm. to get a toddler back into bed after they gotten out in the middle of the night. So there's many different approaches that you can take. One approach that works really well if parents are consistent, we term it silent return. And when I say silent, it, it's absolute silent return where we um, ask the parents to, if they come out into the room, we ask them to silently return them back. And this may take 50, 60 times when it first happens, but we really want to be mindful that there is no engagement with parents because whether it be positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement, whatever's going on there, 
they want that to happen. They want to engage with their parents in the middle of the night. And so they don't care if mommy or daddy is upset. They don't care if mommy and daddy is squeezing them, hugging them, doing whatever. All they know is that mom and dad is giving me attention and I'm going to keep getting up to get yeah, that attention, yeah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what it becomes really challenging with toddlers. And a lot of the time parents will make that decision to move their little one out of a crib too soon. I've seen it yes. happen so many times when 18 month old comes out of their crib, they don't have the cognitive ability to understand the concept and the responsibility of having a big person bed and they don't understand yeah. there's no boundaries for them right they can just get up and they don't know what's going to happen they just get up because they can we found that around three years old that's usually when they can comprehend like some bedtime rules the responsibility of having that big person bed because they understand that that bed is for sleeping and we need to stay in our bed all night until mommy and daddy says it's morning it's time to get up Um, until around three, it's so challenging. And I've worked with many families over the years where they did make that transition too soon. And they just don't feel that they want to put them back in a crib. And it takes a long time. It takes a long time for them to to really understand, like, you you can't get out of bed in the middle of the night and start wandering around the house, right? So having a gate up and at the door, not as punishment. That, that's never the way that we introduce a gate. It's more so of a reminder for their little bodies that this is their place to sleep and that this is the boundaries, right? It's never mm-hmm. introduced that you have to stay in, in your room and there's a gate up because we don't want you to get out. Absolutely not. We just simply say, you know what? If you get up in the middle of the night and you still see the gate there, that's a reminder that you need to jump back into bed and wait till the morning your mommy and daddy comes to get you. That's all it is. Because sometimes when we put those boundaries up and we don't explain the reasons yeah. why, <clears throat> children get really upset. And we always want to give them the understanding that it's not a punishment by any means. We're not closing things off. It's just to keep you safe. That's all it is because you certainly don't want them wandering in the house three o'clock in the morning. And sometimes if there's stairs, it's a huge safety concern, right? And so we really want to be mindful that they still have those boundaries. And most kids love their crib. Uh, They do try and get out. Absolutely. But it's not that they don't like it. It's just, Hey, I'm going to see if I can actually climb over this thing. Yes, and they're they love learning. To do that. Yeah, yes, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah they're right. developing, and they just want to see. I'm going to try, and so let's do this. It's not has nothing to do with they don't like their crib anymore. It's just I see this as something really fun, and I'm going to keep doing it. So mm. that's where sometimes that transition can come in a little bit too soon, and then parents, most of the time, they regret that decision. <laughs> by moving them way too soon what about letting them have things to play with in the room say they're getting up at they're sleeping but they're getting up at six and it's just a little bit too early for you as a, as a parent giving them something that they can play with in the in the bedroom like not tv not iphones something quiet or books is that a good option yeah absolutely depending on the age if they were really young i would probably limit the the things that they can engage with at that time just because they are not able to understand exactly what time of day it is. So course, if they wake yeah. up in the middle of the night, then they'd be like, oh, well, there's toys here. Let's, you know, let's start doing this. So if they're still in a crib, having a little stuff here, a lobby with them, absolutely. So they can hug that and go back to sleep. And we always want to be mindful too, that when they are getting older and if they are in that big person bed, that we always want to share with them. It's not what they can't do. It's what they can do. 
So if they're waking up, you want to say, you know what, if you wake up and it's still dark in your room and mommy and daddy are still sleeping, this is what you can do. You can hug your stuffy and roll over. You can hum a little song to yourself. You can pull your blankets up, rustle your body a little bit, something that they can do and not always saying, well, you can't get up out of bed because they're like, oh, (laughs) well, that's not very fun. But if you give them something that they can do and take ownership of their own sleep, that makes a huge difference yeah, when they I get know, older, yeah. a huge difference, because we want to empower them. We want to allow them to take ownership of their sleep, because then they're going to be really proud of themselves. Mm-hmm. And another thing that you can do with them to help them take ownership of their sleep is to have bedtime routine charts right in their bedroom have those little charts that they can check off each night. I was actually just speaking with one of the families that I work with, and I was telling them a story about as we were developing a a bedtime routine chart for her family. And I said, one little guy, and he's the most durable little guy, he was so proud of his bedtime routine chart. He took it everywhere. Oh, isn't that cute? Oh, that is so cute. Took it to grandma's house, showed her exactly what to do because he was staying over for the weekend. He brought his little chart and he he showed her how he was going to check it all off all night. And yeah, so he was so proud that he had his bedtime chart and, and he was able to do this all on his own. So he knew exactly. He was three and a half. All right. So he was checking off his little bedtime routine for grandma and she was so proud of him. And my heart was just exploding. I was so proud of him, right? Because he he took ownership of his own sleep. He was telling grandma that he needed to do this in order to have a great bedtime routine. And it's so important because bedtime routines are great for little ones, but they're also great for parents because they keep us on track, right? Because bedtime can go for hours if we let Mm -hmm. it. Another book, a sip of water, whatever it is, they're very clever. And so they're going to ask you, they're going to test their boundaries every single time, every day. And that's their job and they do it perfectly. But having that bedtime routine or a bedtime chart right in the room can keep mom and dad on track, check it off with either a dry erase marker or Velcro stickers. And it keeps everybody on track because they'll say, well, I need to have a glass of water. Okay, buddy, what? We already checked that off. So we have that for tonight. That's tomorrow night. So you can keep going through it, right? So it's a really good reminder for parents and for the little one that we need to stay on track because <laughs> I love, no, and it's love those for, charts. It's good for the little one, as you say, because you're communicating with them. A lot of the time parents don't communicate with the children. They just say, right, it's time to go to bed. And I can understand if you're overtired yourself, but if you have that chart, as you say, I think that's a good one. You have that chart, you say, right, it's music time now, but we're going to start quietening down. You can go and choose your CD or whatever you want to listen to. And then once that's finished, you say, right, now it's drink time or it's potty time or it's cleaning teeth time or whatever it is. That's that's right. And, and so it keeps everybody on track. <laughs> and we no, have that on the no. charts that I share with families is we have the words, but we also have pictures of exactly what the activity is. So if it's reading a book or it's cuddle time or lights out whatever it is they check everything off and they're like okay we're done no I (laughs) love that idea I love that idea and how did that Uh, work with you did that work it works really well yeah it works really well and parents love it because like I said it keeps everybody on track and they have a plan right and that's what Mm. we want we want everybody to have a plan so if this happens This is what we do. If this happens, this is what we do. Mm -hmm. And to give parents the plan and and so they can fulfill all the things that they need to do, it really takes that anxiety. And I'll be honest, I used to dread naps and I used to dread bedtime. 
because I would spend so long trying to get my little guy to nap for 20 minutes. And then I'd spend so long at bedtime trying to get him to sleep. And then he'd wake up six, seven times a night. And it was just so exhausting. Mm. And I just, I just dreaded any kind of sleep with him. (laughs) But I have to point this out too, that not all siblings are like that. So my daughter, who is older, she's two and a half years older, she was an amazing little sleeper. I could literally set my watch by her because I knew that she was just going to sleep this long. I knew when she was going to wake up for a feeding and everything was great. So before I became a sleeping consultant, I had no idea. I could not understand what parents were talking about when they said that they were sleep deprived. I was like, I had no empathy for them at all. I was like, I don't know what that is. But two and a half years later, (laughs) my son came along and then reality hit and I was full in sleep deprived pretty much right from day one for two and a half years. So then Mm -hmm. I understood what parents were going through and it is tough. Those little things that normally wouldn't bother you, bother you a lot. And I was making so many excuses for myself and for my son. We traveled with my husband for his job. We were in a different country, different house. I was like, oh, it's the move. Oh, it's this or it's that. When yeah, I look yeah. back, that wasn't it. <laughs> it wasn't yeah, that at yeah. all. It was because I didn't know what I was doing, for one, because I, I didn't understand how he could be so different from my daughter. And it was just, he was over tired and I didn't know how to get out of that cycle I I had no Mm -hmm. idea until I started researching myself and I'm like I can't do this anymore we just can't go on like this that's when I really poured my heart and soul into finding something that worked for my family and I thought if I can do this for my family I really want to help other families out there to get sleep back on track or to just get some sleep to begin with, because a lot of parents think it'll just pass. Oh, it's just a phase. It's It's usually not. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's not. In very rare occasions, I would say it will correct itself. But 95% of the time, I would say that it's not going to and it's just going to get worse, right? So they're not going to outgrow something if they're not taught how to transition independently it takes practice and some little ones need more coaching than others and that's totally okay every child is different so we want to be mindful that exactly in my family that even though his sister was a great sleeper he wasn't (laughs) he wasn't a great sleeper at all but i'm very thankful for what i went through with my son because now i know what families are going through. And I can have that empathy, not sympathy. I can have the empathy because I know exactly what they feel like, exactly what they're talking about, because I've been there, I lived it. And it really is a challenging place to be for parents when you're just not sleeping. Nothing, nothing works. No, nothing works. It's so important. It's a biological need. And I think in this society too, I think we tend to think that we, we don't need as much sleep as we really do. And, and we take pride in, in saying, oh, well, I can function on five hours of sleep. Well, <laughs> maybe yeah. temporarily you can, but that is definitely going to catch up with you. And, you know, people think that we don't need as much sleep as we really do. And we need a lot of sleep. It helps build our immune system. Mm-hmm. It just helps with stress. It helps with everything. And yeah, if you don't get yeah. sleep, you're going to get sick. Right. And so it's really important that we're really mindful of providing that opportunity for our children to learn how to be independent sleepers and to transition into those sleep cycles all by themselves. When you're asleep, you're actually healing your body. If you're, yeah, 
that's your body's time to heal, time to relax and regenerate. So your business supports the whole family and not just the baby or the toddler, which is that's which is- that's right. It affects everybody. Yes, your child's not sleeping, but you're not sleeping as well. <laughs> and we want everybody in the family to be sleeping. And the change in the family dynamics when everybody is sleeping is incredible. It's it's absolutely incredible. I've had many families come to me on the verge of divorce because nobody's sleeping and everybody's fighting all the time and and they just don't know how to communicate anymore because they're so tired. Mm -hmm. And to have them afterwards say to me, Kim, we're not getting a divorce anymore. Like, it, yeah, that must be it's so quite mind blowing, right? And and I'm just like, wow, I'm just not helping their little ones sleep, but I've also helped their marriage, and and mm. that's a big thing. I'm so blessed to be able to help so many families in the last eight and a half years that I've been doing this. It it truly is a remarkable profession. <laughs> yeah, it it truly is. And you know, one thing I maybe you've spoken to other sleep consultants in regards to this, but a lot of the times too, we're kind of new ish on the scene. When my son was little. I think there was maybe one or two that I had ever heard of. Sleep consulting was not a thing. Now it's becoming a thing. But unfortunately, a lot of the times we get this negative connotation around us where Mm. all we want to do is to just let people or families, I should say, cry it out. That's not what we're about. No, no, I definitely, yeah. That's not what we do. What we do is support families, develop a plan together to help support them through the changes that they need to make in order for everyone to sleep. There are many, many different approaches out there. I could talk for hours about the different approaches, yeah, well, but every family is different. And you really want to focus on what is best for that family. Mm-hmm. Some families do choose to have a no parental involvement when they're teaching their child those independent sleeping skills. And that's fabulous if that works for your family. But if it doesn't, there's other ways that we can help everybody get that sleep that they need. So, and that's where the sleep consultants come in because we know how to pick different things from different approaches and really put it together specifically for that family, because there's no family that's exactly the same. There's no child that is exactly the same. So it's not a cookie cutter, at least for myself. Anyways, it's never been a cookie cutter plan there in eight and a half years. I've never written the same sleep plan for a family because they're so different, right? Yeah, yeah. There's different nap timings. There's the different temperament with the child, the different age, the different way families react to crying. And that's what you really have to be mindful too, because if you're working with a family and the mom is suffering from postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, there's a lot of triggers for her. And so crying is usually one of the biggest ones and there's no way that they want to have a lot of crying. So again, we find an approach that's very comfortable for mom and for dad Mm -hmm. to help her support her if he's not able to do a lot of those other things and to find something that works for that family. Because like we said many times during this conversation, we have to be mindful of everybody in the family to find that right approach for them and, and what works for their family, not just their neighbor or their their cousin or something, right? It's it's very different. And moms, parents everywhere get unsolicited advice. <laughs> yes, All exactly. The they do time, right? And I got it with my family, right? As soon as you start talking about my child's not sleeping, you're gonna get advice, <laughs> yes. whether you want it or not. And that's when it's hard because I tried things that my friends, my family said did not work for me. 
It did not mm-hmm. work for me at all. So I had to really sit down when my son was almost two and a half and really figure out what worked for me. And for myself, it was a very gradual approach. And that's what I could handle at the time. And that's what mm-hmm. my son could handle at that time. So it did take a little bit longer, but I always tell families too, when I'm helping them out that it's not a race. It is not a race yeah, of how yeah, fast you can not. get your child sleeping or sleeping through the night because you want to build a great sleep foundation and you really don't want to rush through that because you don't want a quick fix. Quick fixes don't last. Mm-hmm. And we certainly don't want that. We want to be able to have years and years of great sleep happening. And so if it takes longer than two weeks, so be it. It takes longer than two weeks. There's no rush. And you don't want them to have a a bad association with sleep because sleep is meant to be relaxing. Sleep is meant to be fun. Great. It's meant to be a time to heal. And you don't want to get them really panicky about sleeping if you're really pushing them and getting them really panicky saying, right, we've got to get this done in two weeks. Right. It's not giving them that relaxing point of view of sleep. Right, exactly. And we want everybody to feel comfortable with the process because there's a lot of emotions involved. Yeah, (laughs) a lot of emotions involved. So we always have to be mindful of that. And I give this analogy it's like peeling an onion. There's so many layers that you will have to go through with every family that you work with. And you want to be careful and you want to be addressing all of those layers because you don't want to skip things and then come back and say, oh, well, that's not working now because you missed a step you missed one of those layers Mm -hmm. that you have to unravel and and sometimes when you start you know peeling away those layers you really find that underlying cause of the sleep issue and Mm -hmm. sometimes when parents think oh this is the sleep issue it's really not the sleep issue at all once we start peeling away all of those layers so it's very interesting to see how everything Uh, comes about especially with toddlers right there's a lot Mm -hmm. of layers there there's a lot of years a lot of months you know whether they were co-sleeping or a sleepy association being fed to sleep if there's years of that going on it's going to take longer than two weeks most likely Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's okay yes that's that totally is okay, okay. Yeah. We, we don't want to rush it through we want to see it through and to have them build that great sleep foundation most of the time you see amazing results within the first week with schedule changes and all those sorts of things but if there's sleep associations there it can take a little bit longer to get rid of them for good but that's okay they're when yeah. they're gone they're gone <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter how long it takes right thank yeah. you you've given it a lot of good tips there and i know that my audience would love to find out more about how they can get in touch with you sure absolutely i'd love to share my information so uh, i have a website and it's www.babesandbeyond.com i'm also on facebook with the same um, name and i also have an instagram account which is sleep underscore babes and beyond and that's where they can find me so if they want to follow along I'm always sharing tips and things like that on the social media pages that I have and blog articles on my website so I offer a free consultation as well so if people just need to kind of figure out things like I said earlier sometimes it's just a little tweak in that schedule you don't need a full two-week consultation with me it could just be my recommendation of you need an earlier bedtime and things get fixed up. And I would love to provide that for parents. There's no need to go through all of that if I can just simply say, 
change your bedtime, <laughs> right? I would love yeah, to do well, that. Exactly. I'd yeah, love to yeah. do that. So they can sign up through my website and schedule a discovery call. And we can certainly help them out as best as we can. But thank you so much for allowing me to chat with your uh, followers and your audience today. I really enjoyed our conversation. So thank you so much. Yeah, likewise, Kim, I did too. I've actually learned, learned a few tips from you from oh, the childcare nice. stuff as well. It's, it's, a good, it's good to have tips of what people can do to help their kids to sleep. So right. thank you so much. Wow, Kim shared some great tips. And I'm certain that you've taken something away, which I'm confident will help you with any sleep issues you're facing. Just remember to be patient and accept that these things often take time. The investment in time and energy will help get you moving towards a better rested household. I highly recommend checking out Kim's Babes and Beyond website. And if you've got a query or want to know more about what Kim talked about, you can always arrange to have a chat with her via one of her discovery calls. You'll find links to these and other places where you can interact with Kim, including her website and Instagram page in the show notes, which can be accessed at mybabymassage.net forward slash podcast forward slash zero six zero. I would love for more mums to find out about my podcast. So please help me spread the word to other mums by rating and reviewing my podcast on Apple Podcasts. This helps me support more mums. Yes, just like you for a smooth journey into the exciting world of parenthood.